This is Sheila. This is Steph. And welcome back to Yellowstone Podcast from Pod Clubhouse. How are you doing, Steph? I'm doing pretty good. It's How's a beautiful things? Day. It's a be- it is a beautiful day here. So it's yes. November in the Northeast and it's it's like 70 degrees today. So had opening the- day of hunting season. Oh. So my husband took the kids with him. <laughs> oh, so you're like, you're home alone? <laughs> when does that ever happen? Uh, never. Especially he- not in 2020. Like right. no, no one's ever home alone in 2020. <laughs> and he was like, do you want to go with us? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, and no. he was, he was pretty offended that I didn't want to join. I'm like, but I could be home like by myself. Right. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, nothing. Yeah. Just <laughs> like podcast, <laughs> like watch. Yeah. I was watching TV like all night <laughs> and, then, and then podcasting today. He will be one with nature. Yeah. What a very Yellowstone concept. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if only our dear lease looked like Yellowstone, but it does not. Does he look like Rip at all? No. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, kidding. maybe if he grew the beard out. If he grew know. the beard out, he's dark hair. Yeah, he has dark yeah, hair. Yeah, okay. I'd have to get him a cowboy hat. I think he needs one anyway, but he disagrees. If you live in Texas, that's absolutely 100% doable. He has the boots. Okay. So he's halfway so, there. Yeah. I'll be like, put this on. He's like, well, we're not going anywhere. I'm like, just put it on. (laughs) And repeat after me. Oh my gosh. I saw some post or TikTok or something. And it was like, this whole rip thing is like the men's equivalent of like asking the wife to wear a French maid outfit. It's like, you don't understand the pressure or like expectation that comes with me. (laughs) But now all these women are asking their husbands to look like rip. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen a couple like, like post Halloween pictures and things like that of, of people across the internet so good have done like the Beth rip couple. Yes. And I'm like, dang, the funniest one had to be, there was like a, like twin five year. They were either twin, like four or five year old, Ooh. a boy and a girl. And the girl was dressed as Beth with the black eye. Oh, and gosh. yeah, like very funny and very well done. She had like on a leopard print coat and the oh, cowboy boots and the, the boy was dressed up as Rip and they put like black makeup on his uh, face to make it the beard. Oh, the beard and yeah. <laughs> like the two of them just did, I'm going to have to find it and send it to you because it was hilarious. That is so funny. So I was like, yeah. So yeah, the, like the Facebook, um, the Yellowstone group there was very active with the different, um, oh, yes. Facebook posts. So I think that's where I saw the Halloween kids picture. If oh, I find probably. it, I'll send it to you. It was tray funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, God, you people are so creative. Your Halloween costume was on point. Oh, yes. Oh, thank it you very much. It was so good. I was David Rose from Shits Creek. I loved it. So I'll, I didn't get to do any TikTok videos like I planned to, but it's mm-hmm. definitely a very recreatable outfit. I've since worn the t-shirt, the, the, <laughs> the long sleeve shirt, and I, I get like thumbs up in the grocery You store. do? Awesome. Yeah, so I was like walking by me and she was just like, Nice shirt. I was like, thank you. You're like, if you know, you know. Yes. And like, you you are my people. Thank you. And yours was amazing. You were a Wonder Woman. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. It was awesome. 
And you saw my little city I built, right? Yes. Yeah. Very, very creative. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but then by the time I built a city, I was tired. Yeah. Well, you know. I actually ended up not dressing up as Wonder Woman to actually trick or treat because. Oh, you I did the trunk or treat, right? Well, yeah, we did that like the weekend before mm-hmm. and then I wore that costume to work. Then I was, I was planning to wear it all day and go trick or treating with my kids as Wonder Woman, but then I was like tired and. I don't know. I just took it off. I was like, uh. oh, I know what happened. They wanted me to meet, meet them for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> My husband and kids. And like, I'm like, seriously, dr-. and we, the restaurant he suggested was the same restaurant we went to the Saturday before after the trunk or treat when I was dressed as Wonder Woman. I was like, I cannot go to that restaurant two Saturdays in a row dressed as Wonder Woman right. and you all in regular clothes. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. You're like, like, um, like what's, what's wrong with, with you? Weird lady? Yeah. Do we need to call somebody? You know, <laughs> So I went home and changed and then I showed up and he was like, you changed. I'm like, yes. I'm like I can't come here two Saturdays in a row dressed as Wonder Woman. Right. A, they'll remember me yes. and B, none of y'all are dressed up. That's a problem. I know. It's like, it was embarrassing enough the first Saturday. I was like, I'm not doing this again <laughs> oh see i have no shame <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yes so today we're talking about episode six the remembering yeah i wasn't sure about the title of this one i agree because I don't... so far they've been kind of relevant to the episode we've had coming home that was like casey and monica walker came home mm-hmm Long Black Train was the one prior to that. That's when we got introduced to the train station. Right. No Good Horses. And that's, there's actually, that's mentioned in that episode. Talking about like uh, when Casey's training the horse and that's right Mm -hmm. before the suicide happens. So yeah, this one really didn't have much in the way of relevance to the storyline, I didn't think. I was trying to find like, yeah, some connection between the title and the story, but. There was just lots going on. Casey and Rip had their moments. Maybe they remembered (laughs) some bad drama from the past i don't know i don't know but this one had a lot of action for me i really liked it we got to see every character again Mm -hmm. you know we've we've been a little critical of the series up until this point when they've had everybody in there where it felt very busy very rushed but i feel like they fleshed out the story enough now that it doesn't feel so overwhelming right they can just touch on one character quickly and you know the background and you know what's going on right and just move their storyline along a little bit more Right. I did think it was odd, though. I didn't feel that John was as central to the story this time out. Right. More of a catalyst for other people. Like, he would dance into the scene, do his thing, and then dance out. And then the activity would happen then from his actions. Right. And we get introduced to Sarah, a reporter who's surprised at how much power he has. So we get just a new character in, the, in today. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with Casey and Monica. They had just... All the drama again this episode. Casey's just been arrested for we don't know what. I mean, we know what, but they don't know what. What did you think about her going to John for help? So a couple of things. So now we get really good confirmation that they really have not had much interaction with each other since their relationship started. So this this feels like one of the most, unfortunately, it's most like the heaviest loaded conversation that two people can have. But also it's just the feeling that they don't know each other. She knows him through hearsay. She knows what Casey has told her about his dad. And it hasn't been good is what really the feeling is. Like, Like Monica knows nothing good about John Dutton. And she's trying to reconcile the man that she's heard about. Mm -hmm. With what she's seeing him display with her son. 
I love how Monica is able to be so candid and also call him out some with someone you just met being your husband's father. Like, that's a lot of emotions wrapped up in that relationship, I would think. And she's able to really just be honest and candid with him. And I I like that about her. Yeah. Like, I don't know that meeting my father-in-law for the first time, I would walk up to him and, like, call him on his bullshit. You know, like... like why'd you bring <laughs> your son? Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a pretty ballsy move for her, I thought. And living in Montana the way that they do, John Dutton is a very storied, very legendary character, right. even though, you know, he's a living legend in, in some people's eyes. And people have preconceived notions about him. And hers have obviously a different taint because of the relationship with Casey. And there's just so much hurt mm-hmm. that we've seen up in his face up until this point. And now that he's been involved with John again, his world has really turned upside down, Casey. Yeah. And she's blaming a lot of this influence on John. But then also she's seeing this very tender, this very nurturing, caring side with Tate that has baffled her a little bit, Mm -hmm. I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would, based on what you know about John Dutton, like from her perspective, you would want to keep your kid away from that guy. Yeah. So when she sees him interacting with Tate, it's just completely different persona than she expected. I would question it, too. I'd be like, why? Uh, This isn't like who I thought you would be. And she flat out, she asks him about the brand. Yeah. I think she gets an answer she wasn't expecting on two fronts. Right. The fact that John did it himself and that it's a second chance to prove that people can be trusted. I'm trying to read his face there, though. I, I don't know if I could read it right. Like, I was trying to determine when he said that he branded Casey himself. If it was shame, if it was defiance, I was trying to read his face and it was, it was pretty stoic. I couldn't read him in that conversation. And I think because for me, it didn't really answer the question why Casey was branded by his father just because, I mean, he said he disobeyed me one too many times. Like, yeah, I didn't get a good read on where he was with that emotion. And then what could the infraction have been that was so bad? That a father would need to brand his son. I agree. It doesn't make me feel like that was... Not that it's ever justified, because that's just barbaric, but... uh, Like, I feel bad sending my son to his room. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Taking away TV for a day. You're like, I'm sorry. But it just didn't make me feel any better about this situation. It didn't answer any questions about why that was justified, because it definitely still doesn't seem justified and for her to just be like okay well thank you for telling me seemed to answer her question but it didn't for me yeah so he didn't really seem remorseful yeah i I would like i said i was trying to read that emotion there but you know as if that wasn't enough of a topic of conversation she presses him later on to find out why casey hates him so much and he basically tells her the story of her Mm-hmm. Right? Saying that uh, he met a girl and got her pregnant and John told him that he needs to get her to get an abortion. And she's like, oh. Yeah. So now I know when he goes to, right after that, he goes in to talk to Tate and they're talking about the donuts. He definitely feels remorse. Like that, there, there's definitely that emotion there. He sees right in front of him what he would have been missing out had Casey listened to him in that moment. For me, that was easy for him to have that emotion. But when he was talking to her about branding KC, like I said, he was he was a stonewall. I couldn't read him. Mm-hmm. It was a very loaded conversation. And I feel like the tension had been building to that point that we finally needed to see something happen between these two. Yeah. Because she's obviously a very big force in Casey's life. And so is his father, even if he doesn't want to admit it. 
So these two forces needed to come up against each other. So I was glad to see that they finally relieved a little bit of that tension that has been building. But then it also, like you said, left so many more questions unanswered. Yeah. So we'll have to see where this relationship goes. I'm sure the way that they're bringing in these like nuggets of past information is really well-structured and sometimes hidden. So you have to really pay attention. Right. Um, I'm going to go back to the cancer diagnosis from the previous episode where it's just like, wait, what? (laughs) Sort of mention these things about the past. Right. So there's definitely more to come between these two because they're not done. Yeah. So Casey's back on the ranch, and this would be the time that he would have needed his gun. He sees Rip. He comes across the bear. That's what I'm saying. Like he had his, if he had his gun, he would have been able to fend off the bear. And I think the conversation with Rip would have gone a little differently. But he had his gun taken off of him by his big brother <laughs> when he got busted out of jail. Yeah. Um, so Montana is scary, people. <laughs> bears can just come upon you yeah, in what? any way shape or form when we had traveled out to yellowstone all those years ago my husband and i we bought a can of bear spray mm-hmm. and we were like what is this little can going to do against the bear <laughs> nothing you just like throw it at him yeah, just throw it at him and, like hope to god that he like bites it and like does like a jaws <laughs> move or something but then rip shows up like a, like a knight in shining armor on a I'm horse like, why is he there <laughs> on a horse no rip just is in the right place at the right time for just everything on this ranch. i think it's like his his ranchy intuition i don't know his ranch <laughs> <laughs> hey listen you had cattle battles so i gotta I, come, I gotta like step it up and come up with something because the cattle battle lasted a couple episodes so. i know <laughs> His yeah. ranchy intuition, yeah. Yeah, he's ranchy all, intuition. Yeah, he's always there to save the day or find the trouble, I guess. But I think it's more find the trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just surprised that there's such a degree of bad blood between these two. Well, we see this initial, like, scuffle. They fight each other. And then, again, later in the episode, it kind of comes back around. I think it's like, you know, Rip is saying, like, I'm kind of just tired of cleaning up your mess. Like, I think Rip sees it as, like, Casey comes back, and like you said, everything just kind of falls apart all of a sudden, and then there's all these things that need to be fixed or covered up. Or yeah, there's just a lot of chaos. Up. There's just yeah. a lot of chaos that, that if you drop, a like, a rock in the in the water, right, the ripple effect. I feel like exactly. this is, like, Rip's, like- his little equilibrium has been upended, and, you know, he had to do some ugly things in the past couple of episodes to clean up the mess that happens later on when he tosses the um yeah. the coroner's report at casey and that has the uh, the gunshot wound picture of right. robert long where he he did his handiwork which Rip, we know had to clean up the emmy's office in right. a in a fire show so yeah i'm not so sure that rip is necessarily thrilled that casey is so far back into the ranch life and there could be a couple of new things to think about with that. You know, Casey poses a, a threat, I think, to Rip's position. Yeah. He's not a Dutton. Casey's a Dutton. So there's a little bit of fear, I think, in Rip's mindset. Oh, yeah. Like an encroachment of his territory. Right. And like, I'm here taking care of everything. Like, what are you doing? And I've been trouble? here. And like, you it, left, right? Exactly. And I've been here, the one who's loyal. And what are we doing? I surprised Rip told him to leave. He's like, you don't belong here. It's like, whoa. Well, that's what made me really think that Rip is threatened by Casey's position. So just in in having Casey back and and actually like at the ranch as much as he is, I feel that if he stays, Rip thinks that he might not be in such a honored position with John. Right. Even though he's literally done his time and paid his dues. 
but he's not a Dutton, so. Right, he's not part of the circle of trust. Yeah, I just but feel he is. he is. He definitely is. I feel like he's definitely John's go-to man for a lot of things. Yeah, it's like his sense of security on, like, his place on the ranch has been uprooted a little bit with Casey. Like, he's the only brother left. Well, I mean, Jamie's left, but I mean, the <laughs> ranch really brother. Count him. Yeah, we don't really count like, him because he's not as functional to the like operation. Like, Jamie's not going to take over the ranch. So right. we had Lee, and now Casey could do it. Right, because Rip was in position to definitely yeah. do this. I also feel that Rip is jealous that the Dutton kids don't respect their father but they take him for granted like i think yeah. they respect him but i think he's also like you freaking people <laughs> you don't know how good you have it and i just feel like this is just jealousy and this is him feeling threatened so um i don't know a man like rip who is jealous feels threatened his position is being targeted i feel like he's pretty like he's already been pretty volatile i just don't know how an emotional rip would be you know what I mean? Like if he's emotionally invested and now his position is being targeted, I just don't think he has the emotional wherewithal to kind of like deal with these feelings. So, <laughs> at least yeah. not in a healthy way. So. I'm not sure though that we would, well, I was trying to decide if we would see like an overly emotional reaction from him, but I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that he's going to just necessarily emote on us, but I think that there's going to be some sort of like physical manifestation that we can like tie this back to. Okay. I, I don't know. He's a powder keg right now. I'm not going to mess with that guy. No. <laughs> I'm not going to cross him. No. So we'll see. Yes. If he blows up. And then just as an odd thing, who sent the drone? So we've been dancing around this right now. So there's something big that happens this episode. I know. I'm not ready to talk about it. Yeah, it's a big deal. So... <laughs> All I'm going to say is goddamn teenage boys and their goddamn superhuman strength. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. This is an unfortunate series of events, but Monica is going to work just like people do. And I just, she like breaks up this fight. And this kid, like, I can't believe how hard he hit her. She goes down, like just passed out. Yeah. Like a ton of bricks. Down. And the blood, like, running from her head. Oh, my God. That was just... That was too much blood. Yeah. I mean, we all know that head wounds bleed like crazy, but oh, my Lord. The punch alone was enough to knock her out, but then the the one-two punch, not to be callous, of her landing on the ground as hard as she did. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Oof. Can we talk about why people in Duttonland do not seek out the level of medical attention (laughs) that their illness, their diagnosis, their injury Uh, warrants. Like, well, okay. They're on the reservation at this point. So I agree with you, but so she's like just being cared for by the school nurse. By the school nurse. Okay. But if you're walking and talking, you wake up and you're you're like, you're cognizant and you can answer questions. And would you really go all the way, however many hour drive it is to the actual hospital? If I was knocked out, I would be like, someone please get me in front of a neurologist. <laughs> I just feel like people are very like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like a lot yeah. of people are like, no, that. I agree. I'm like that. Like I have to be dying to yeah. be at the hospital. Oh yeah. To go to the hospital. Yeah. But, yeah. but with your head, it's just one of these things. Be like, just get a cat scan. Just make sure there's no bleep. Yeah. Especially with just how hard she hit the ground. But I mean, and why I say that is because I feel like John and his cancer diagnosis and treatment from last time out was um, rather quick. 
Because there's usually like some radiation, there's some follow-ups. But yeah, I just did not feel that great about Monica and... I'm trying to decide like what I would do, you know, like if you are awake and answering questions and I'm trying to decide like would I really go to the like urgent care ER or whatever I don't know I probably would be the one I'd be the same way going it's okay like just go home and see how you feel <laughs> you know <laughs> but if you live that far away that is I mean, care, you know, that maybe is I wouldn't but I mean she would just have like this really massive headache and I just feel like the school nurse would not be able to prescribe her anything that exactly. would like match <laughs> the need that she would have in my neighborhood there's literally an emergency room on every corner it's ridiculous oh like those urgent care places yeah. Yeah. and a slash emergency rooms like they're not just urgent care and it's like I don't understand why we have to have 75 of them within a mile but we do so I guess to me I'm like oh it's fine if I need to go I'll go but and that's really just sad that that's a deterrent to care so I really want to drive two <laughs> hours drive and then I'm gonna have to wait there <laughs> Then I have I to drive two say, hours though, home. I have a close family friend that we grew up together, and now they live outside of Dallas, and they have horses and, and a ranch and cattle. And I mean, I get reports of their injuries, like falling off the four-wheeler and the kill switch going through his face. Like, I mean, they, they kind of just, like, stitch it up and move on. I don't... My uh, <laughs> friend, her son, they smashed the trailer, the horse trailer down on his thumb. Like, I mean, they went to the ER for that, but oh she's my like... God. She's like, oh my god, like, we might have to cut off his thumb. Like, it's like, they just get injured, like, really easily. So, maybe they're just used to this, and they're like, ah, it's fine. Yeah, walk it off. Walk it off. Yeah. (laughs) Take a lap. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just breathe, breathe through the pain. (laughs) But, now that I have children, I am, I don't know, I think of some of the things that we did as kids, like, jumping (gasps) off of things. No. Yeah. I'm, like, looking at my kids going, you can't do that. Like, where's your helmet? Like, my dad was like, we never made y'all wear helmets. I'm like, well, I never fall off my bike as much as my daughter does. (laughs) She can't stay on the thing, so. I don't even know if they had bike helmets when I was a kid. I don't ever remember seeing anybody with them. Unless they were going, like, specifically, like, mountain biking or something like that. or, like, on a road course or something. Yeah, like, but, like. Like, riding around your neighborhood. Like, like nobody was wearing Yeah, like, professional riding. Like, if you're going, like, somewhere. But like riding around your neighborhood, I don't. I never knew anybody with a helmet. Mm-mm. And now it's like I won't even let my son go like on his bike even in my driveway I without know, a helmet. Me either. I was like, "What's your helmet?" <laughs> Dumb things we did as kids, and we survived. And it, it doesn't make us better people for it. I just don't think. <laughs> I, we actually have a very close experience with a brain injury in our family. So maybe we're just a little bit extra cautious. And that's not a bad thing. So I think a little bit of extra caution would have favored Monica a little bit differently here. I agree. This is very, very, very bad. It's and very upsetting to see how badly downhill she traveled after yeah, in the leaving afternoon. the school. Yeah. Like it wasn't even multiple days. Also the visual yeah. of Tate, like seeing all this, like first he's staying in there over his mom, like passed out with right. blood running from her head. Then he sees her like pass out off the porch and right. her da- dad's doing CPR. I'm like, this is traumatic yeah. I mean, for anybody. Poor Papa Felix. He's breaking my heart. Dear God, don't take her too. Oh my God. I just want to give him a hug. I'm like, Papa, I don't know that's what they call him, but that's what I call him. All I know is his Felix. Paw Paw sounds good. Sounds appropriate. It was just hard to watch. Really hard yeah. To watch. You know, just the desperation. And now, knowing what you've just said about like them living so far away, yes, now. I was about to say that. Like, now she's in this dire strait and far from 
far from care. Yeah, like, I don't think you can really, like, CPR cannot be administered for that long, right? I mean, after a while, to... you need something else. Right. So this is very, very bad. From the prior episode, when the, the meth house blew up, Monica said what at best, like, the ambulance was, like, 45 minutes away. I remember that. I was just like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Like, there's a hospital within, like, a 10-minute ride of my house. Like, a whole hospital, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The Dutton's have a helicopter. Maybe there's life flight. <laughs> I'm all, like, trying to, like, logically figure this out. I'm like, okay, can she survive? Because this is the last thing we see. Right. This Cliffhanger. Is not a nice way to leave an episode, but thank God we live in the era that we do, and we're watching this not live, so we can just go on to the next episode yeah. <laughs> and see how she's doing or not doing. I always compare the drama to... Grey's Anatomy because they have a cliffhanger at the end of every episode uh-huh. it seems like and an insane cliffhanger at the end of every season of course and this has been going on for like 20 seasons that I'm like over their cliffhangers at this point I'm like stupid Grey's Anatomy but like you know that they're going to emotionally involve you and yeah. you know reel you in but at the beginning of the series, when you're in seasons two and three and four, those, the best seasons of Grey's Anatomy, I mean, the cliffhangers were insane. And I feel like Yellowstone doesn't really do cliffhangers, but man, this was like, like, we can't lose Monica. Especially like, not like halfway through season one. Yeah. It's just like. Although they did kill Lee in the first episode, so. Right? <laughs> I'm still pissed about that because I really like that guy. And there's been nothing since. Like, so far, like this season, there's been no like flashback to him. There's been nothing. Even like when we. But even when we got like the flashback to like the mom, Lee wasn't part of that. I know. (laughs) God. Damn it. Dave, Annabelle, how'd you let this happen? I know. Like, how'd you sign on for one? I know. I'm going to message him on Instagram. Ooh, I got Jefferson White to, uh, he liked one of my posts. Oh, seriously? Yes. (laughs) The guy who plays Jimmy. Jimmy. It was his birthday this weekend, so I commented on it, and I tagged him, and I said, happy birthday, and he, like, liked it. I was like, (gasps) Oh my God. <laughs> I know, like, like we Jimmy forget knows who I am. <laughs> we forget how accessible they are in like today's social media yeah. world and, and how they are like real people. It's like, oh, remember my birthday. Thank you. Yeah, he's pretty active on Twitter. He has, I think I he, said something like, Hey, we love your show, like we do a podcast and Jefferson White liked my comment on his birthday. Well, now that we're getting a little bit more like social media buzz, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll take some notice of us <laughs> we need to we'll get them on we'll do an interview with them that would be day. amazing so we're putting it out there for the yellowstone cast and crew we'd be more Jefferson. than happy to do any kind of an interview with any of you <laughs> doesn't matter how big or small your part has been exactly so anyways that was a random side note very random okay. we, we had to emotionally recover from the monica getting cpr to like you know end the episode I agree. Oh, we were saying we can't lose Monica because we love her. But so I think that's kind of it on the Casey Monica front. There was a lot, like I said, this was a lot about them and their, you know, moving their storyline along. And hopefully this is not the end for Monica. Right. So I have high hopes for her. So we get a new character introduced this episode, Sarah. She's a journalist. I just love her wonder of Montana and how, like, the Livestock Commission has its own police force. And we talk about the cattle battle again. It came back. She's like, this is fascinating. Yeah. She's just enthralled with the idea of him. And I think that the the reach and influence of John Dutton is something that she just can't fathom. She has, like, a nasty comment. Like, this is about, like, reading a, about a crooked co- cop from Queens. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I am from Queens. And again, like, okay, Queens has some, you know, like, underbelly areas and stuff like that. <laughs> But yeah, you're like, why you got to come at me? Like, like why, that, yeah, man? exactly. Why? Like, you know, <laughs> like I feel attacked. Um, <laughs> 
my husband jokes around. He's like, you know, yeah, I can take the girl out of Queens, but I can't, can't take Queens out of the girl. I'm like, yeah, she's yeah, there forever. Like, she feels like it's corruption is really, I think, what it comes down to that, like, one person just can't have all of this, this influence. I love how the turn of events gets John to where he is. And then Sarah gets to see him, like, live and in the flesh. She just, like, stares him down like, oh, my God. I'm trying to decide if it's, like, horror or, like, starstruck. It's kind of both. I feel like it's horror. Like, she's like, oh, my God. Like, this is the guy. Yeah. Like, that's him. Like, oh, my God. But I'm like that if I ever see someone, like, even remotely famous. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. But I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I know who that is. (laughs) I was coming home from Australia. I had gone to school there for two years (gasps) in college. I graduated and we were flying home. So my mom came to my graduation. So the two of us were flying home and from Sydney to coming back to America, Los Angeles is one of the major landing zones Mm -hmm. for like connecting flights. So we had a connecting flight from LA to New York, but there was really bad storms here in New York. And it was like, our flight was delayed. So I'm standing at the board, like looking to see if like our flight was delayed because we were supposed to start boarding. And I just turn and like Alan Ruck from Mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is standing next to me. And I was just like, looked at him. I looked back at the board. I was like, I love your work. And he's like, thank you. I was like, that's it. (laughs) I just walked off. I was like, our flight's due to board in 10 minutes. (laughs) I did talk to somebody in the airport once. My husband was like so embarrassed. (laughs) There's a show on TLC called The Little Couple. And it's like this doctor and she lived in Houston and her husband, he was like a businessman. I just loved the show. Like they both were great personalities like you saw their house their house was amazing and i like would recognize the areas that she was driving around i'm like oh i know where that is or she's shopping at the i've been to that store before or whatever we were at the airport coming home from something and they were there and i was like ah i have to go talk to her i was like okay I was like, I love your show. Because me and my friend would always talk about how we, there's no reason we don't ever run into her because she's at the same coffee shop that we used to go to Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, like when we lived downtown in the cool area. But my friend and I would be like, why don't we ever run into her? She goes to all the same places we go to. You just need to be a better stalker. That's all. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Really not. Randy ran into Steve Gutenberg. Do you remember Steve Gutenberg? Yes. Three men and a little lady, three men yes. and a baby, police academy. Oh my God. He lives in the town that I live in, and I was in a deli many years ago. I hear this guy just talking, and his voice is like imprinted on my brain. So I look yeah. up because it's like, it's a voice I know. And he was talking about like if he if they put the muffins like up higher that he likes, then this way the calories are afraid of heights. So they jump down. <laughs> so he wanted to buy a muffin but he wanted to get the lowest calorie muffin and it was just this whole thing and i just looked at him and i just looked back and he's like i'm sorry i'm like you want to order your food don't you i was like like you were awesome as mahoney he's like oh he goes you know what he goes that's how i know how old people are like what they know me from yes i don't know if that's a compliment or an insult right are you just calling me old or what yeah well he has a distinctive voice too so i just kind of like blurt things out and then you know i do that too i'm like oh sorry group dinner or something oh hey guys remember that time they're just like that's not what we were talking about okay so that was a really long tangent about sarah being starstruck by uh by john so yeah she's she definitely recognizes him immediately knows a lot about him i think too it's interesting we've talked about before all these little pieces of information but like unless you're really paying attention but someone like a reporter could piece some of this stuff together a little bit better than you know the random farmer and so maybe she's you know, she's probably able to figure out a little bit more about what this guy's got going on. Well, that's also why I think she made the connection saying that's like a crooked cop from Queens. That is not easy to say, people. 
a crooked cop in Queens. <laughs> I think it was just my brain is just averse to it. But I think that she's seeing that there is the potential for some corruption if he has like such absolute power and that he's friendly with the governor and all the other things that we know about him. So and has his own police force. Right. The largest branch in the United States. So I think that her digging into him is not necessarily a good thing. No, just because like Montana and it's it's ways of doing things from what we've seen so far, you know, like the law, I can say the lawlessness is like it's they have law that they, they just do a lot of it themselves. They exactly. give the train station and things like Jimmy, Jimmy getting the brand so that this baby doesn't have to go to jail and that stops his drug. Right. It seems like the jurisdiction in this area would be like a nightmare because you got the reservation with their own police force, if you want to call it that. Yeah, you know, you're right. And then the actual like U.S. based police force, like the Montana State Police Force. That's a lot of law enforcement. And then we also had like, (laughs) and yet everyone's still breaking the law. Right. And there's still train stations and and whatnot. (laughs) So, yeah. So I just don't get a warm, fuzzy feeling about her digging into John Dutton. I mean, we're going to circle back to how John actually ended up sort of in the river. We'll talk about the things that ended him up there. But just him having the moment with his friend Carl in the river, they're fly fishing. I felt really bad for John. And I can't really say that that's much of a statement that I've made in six episodes. You know, he's having this moment where he's feeling uh, his kid's loyalty is wavering. I think this is a moment where like the loss of Lee is showing a lot of the Dutton kids flaws for the world to see. So, but like, I feel like this is a moment like he's being contemplative and I feel like with Lee's death and the inquiry and the the fallout that happened from Lee's death, the cattle battle that ensued, right. right? The ME's office that Rip had to fix, the, you know, Casey's arrest, like all of this stuff kind of stemmed from that, like the ripple effect of that, that action. You know, the world is watching, like, you know, they were on the news, the governor wanted squashed. I just feel that like, John feels like, like his kids' flaws are like now on display. Like the world is watching. Yeah. Six weeks ago, his world was perfect for what it was, right? And now, like, he's he's lost his son. His daughter is obviously having some massive emotional issues, mental breakdowns, screaming at the end of the last episode, yeah. you know, um, whatever the gun incident in the truck was with Jamie. Jamie seems to be, of the three that are left, the most fully functional. <laughs> and he just yeah. seems like, sorry to like say this, but he just seems like such a fuck up. Like, you know, he just doesn't have a lot of respect from anybody, but he hasn't done much so far to deserve that. I agree. John's not feeling that his kids are up to where he thinks they should be in his mind. Like we were saying in the last episode, like John is trying to sort of orchestrate what he wants everybody to be doing. And they're all just like, eh, no, whatever. <laughs> and even in this episode with Jamie and Beth, John's embarrassed of them right. and their behavior. And he's like, guys, get it together. Like, Yeah. Uh, like, is this so a reflection on himself? He's having to sort of try to puppeteer everybody into like looking like normal, functional people right. or something. And it's just kind of not always working out for him. Like you said, a reporter sort of digging into these things is not going to be good. He's got to sort of get everybody rallied, really. I just I just like the fact that he took some bro time in order to kind of hash out some of these things. And it just feels like he's got to still parent his children as if they were not adults. Yeah. Like that's I feel like that's like a big step backwards for him. And like I said, I, just, I felt bad for him. And John is not somebody who would you know, you would feel remorse for. He's very powerful and very, yeah. That's where I'm at. I'm at, I'm at sympathy for John. Hmm. (laughs) Weird. I know. It's a weird place for me right now. (laughs) 
like, I feel very strange about this emotion. <laughs> so I guess we can move on to like Jamie yes. and, uh, and Beth and how John ended up in a river. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I loved this whole scene play out with Jamie and Beth going to see the governor. Like what? a shit show this was. Like, Beth deserves to be slapped so bad for how <laughs> horribly uh, she behaved. I mean, really, like the governor called her out, like, behaving like a child. Like, this is ridiculous. But, and then, like, too, like, how eager Jamie is to go there. Oh, he is, like, all set up for he him. is the equivalent of, like, a third grader on the first day of school with a shiny apple for the teacher. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. And Beth is like, I gotta go to the bathroom. She's just like, she, and he goes, don't fuck this up for me. He's just like, oh, I'm fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you like, you know. You know what I'm oh, doing. Oh, yeah. You know this is gonna happen. And then uh, we get the introduction of a second new character, Christina, as the political operative for the campaign. The beautiful campaign manager. She is gorgeous. Beautiful and young and smart, apparently. And a redhead, which I think is even better. I loved the, the fireworks instantaneously between her and Jamie. It just seemed like very natural. Uh, but Beth, just <sighs> can my whore be a six foot fireman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was literally cracking up. Like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Then like no one even like addressed that she said that. They just were like, so anyway. Yeah, I just like <laughs> looked at her, had a moment. You know what? I the, the look that the governor gave her in that moment is the same look that the governor gave her on the morning of the mom's death anniversary when Beth uh -huh. was in the trough. It's the same look. And it's like that's such a mom look like I'm going to deal with you when we get home. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm smiling right now, but I am not happy. <laughs> so the way that the, the, the conversation played out with the governor and Jamie was that she also liked the fact that there was the chemistry between Jamie yeah. and Christina, that it's odd to be a bachelor at 36. Okay. I guess she wants him to look and play the part correctly. I guess, but I mean... I guess in Montana, being a bachelor at 36 maybe it raises other questions, maybe about his sexuality. I don't know. That would make her uncomfortable. I don't know. My thought was like, well, how many eligible bachelorettes are there in Montana? Yeah, like it does seem like a very man-heavy <laughs> kind of a state. Like, I don't really feel like there's a lot of options for this guy. I did think that was a funny comment. It's fine if this happens. Like, she's like, it's fine. But that's not what we're talking about. So moving on. And then he was like, oh, okay. This was an oddly shot scene because, like, she had, like, a little moment with Jamie and then a little moment with Beth. So do you want to mm -hmm. jump back and forth between, like, the Beth and come back to Jamie? Yeah. Yeah, okay, because it was really, it, it wasn't a fluid scene. No. Like, this was one of those moments where it's just like, uh, could we have maybe edited this differently or played it differently? Because the Jamie-Beth scene and then two very momentous scenes with the governor and Jamie, yeah. but it just didn't feel very smooth for me. I don't know if that... Well, I think that might be intentional because it's kind of like the Thanksgiving family dinner that you have to like pause to be like, excuse me, let's go talk in the other room and you have to like bring somebody out <laughs> and like have a talk with them like, you need to act right. And then you come back to dinner and you're like trying to smile and then like something else happens. <laughs> it's like, it's awkward. Like that's to me how it was supposed to play out. Okay. As a very awkward meeting, it was supposed to be painful to watch. And it was. And especially the Jamie and Linnell yes. conversation was very painful. Yeah, basically, the governor's like, I've had enough of your nonsense. Kind of just calls her out, you know, saying that she's she knows where this is coming from, that she suffered this trauma at an early age and her son had a similar experience. But basically, like, the bottom line is, like, there will be no endorsement until Beth gets help for her highly functioning alcoholism. Well, I like that the governor sees Beth's, like, temper tantrum and isn't really phased by it. Like, I, you know, I it's know like, yeah, you just need to here. go do something about that. 
But I also was a little bit surprised at how viciously Beth responded. Like, she was pretty mean in her words, but Linnell handled it. Like, she was cool, calm, and collected, and just sort of like, okay, little girl. Yeah, she didn't give in to, to Beth. And I think Beth is mm-hmm. used to, from what we've seen so far of Beth's strategy of making them emotional, she tried to get the governor to be emotional, especially with that whole, like, affairs happen in hotels comment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like, don't ever sleep in my mother's bed again. Like, Lady, what? it's been 21 years. Like, it's weird enough that John still had her bathrobe hanging in the bathroom, but come on, this is not an affair at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, they're both single. How is this an affair? Right. And just because she doesn't like it... Yeah, it's like a temper tantrum. Like, right. she's acting like a child. Yeah, but I feel like what you said about, like, the governor seeing Beth for, for like, the little girl that she is and the temper tantrums. I think this is the most honest assessment of Beth's personality and her her issues. I do too. I agree. Yeah, like I think she really cut through a lot of the BS and got to the heart of it. Like she suffered this trauma as a 14-year-old and she's basically frozen at that emotional age. I would agree. Like I think that is exactly what's going on with Beth. Yeah, and like being home for Beth is traumatic because there's all of these reminders and triggers really and i mean she's spiraling i think you absolutely know? Like she, couldn't, she couldn't even drive home from the club or whatever in the middle of the day so. well you know day drinking catches up with you like you can't really <laughs> yes it really does <laughs> so she deals with beth and then she like calls jamie and she's yeah. trying to like talk to him about okay well here's what we're gonna do and that well she asked him about the cancer diagnosis and jamie knows nothing about it part of me was a little stunned that somebody like jamie wouldn't know being like the family attorney really from the family attorney standpoint we've come back to this theme of this family is highly dysfunctional is it surprising that jamie doesn't know not at this point no right there's just a lot of misinformation that goes back and forth and cover-ups and and whatnot but I just don't see how John would have thought it possible to keep his diagnosis a secret, at least from his family. Well, he's not actually seeking treatment, so... <laughs> yeah, he's not going to doctor's appointments and... Right, like, he had the surgery, they cut out whatever was going on in his colon, and we saw, like, the scar, which is a pretty gnarly scar from when yeah. uh, Tate fell in the river a couple episodes back. Somebody knew. Somebody knew that he had to go to a hospital. Somebody on the ranch knew. Because, like, it's not something that you could just, like, drive. I'm sorry to be all hospital procedural. (laughs) But it's not something that, like, he could have just, like, driven himself home for. I mean, it was likely a same-day procedure. Really? Yeah, it could be. Depending on how much they had to do. I mean, but, like, that type of an incision would probably be a same-day. They they don't keep people in hospitals for nothing anymore. Yeah, so they would have, like, basically probably sent him home the same day. You know, just done the pathology on the tumor or the part of the colon, whatever they they brought back. And he said that it was done. It was all cut out of him. But I feel like if anybody in the ranch knew, it was Rip. Oh, yeah. Like, he would have to have been the one to drive him. Right. The fact that a hospital is so far away should be a deterrent to care. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know. But I just, I also feel that Jamie's response to this was just a little bit juvenile as well no i agree i was like really you're gonna storm out of this meeting with the governor of the state like talking about your next job your promotion like when do you storm out because your dad may or may not have had cancer like i don't know i agree i thought that was completely emotional reaction that 
like could have waited another 30 minutes or whatever the meeting needed to go yeah, on. Yeah, like, I mean, like he grabbed his bag. He was all a flutter. <laughs> there were like suit jacket flaps flying. It was just like the man's not dying, not on his deathbed. They're not about to plug, you know, unplug the machine. Yeah. You know, so it just felt, it, I'm going to say juvenile is really the, yes. the, the feeling of it. It did sort of make me laugh. He's like, oh my God, I have to go. <laughs> And then Christina's and like, like, wait, am, like, I, am I driving you? Like, what, yeah, what cute little Christina. She's like, wait, wait, do you need a ride? <laughs> am I coming with you? <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Then, like, speaking of this juvenile reaction, like, the way that they, Beth and Jamie, like, treat John when he gets home and they're, like, standing on the front porch, like, pouting. Yeah, arms crossed, full on. Like, there was, if, there was a, if there had been a foot stomp from either one yes. of them, that would not have been out of line. Exactly. Right? <laughs> It's like, what are y'all doing? I'd be mad if my parent hid that from me, but I don't think I'd stand waiting for them to drive up in their driveway, like, tapping my foot. Like, where have you been, young lady? Ambushing them. But his reaction was my laugh out loud moment for this episode. Like, he rolls down the window and they just start at him and he rolls it up. He's just like, can I just have, like, one day without drama? (laughs) He's like picks up the phone carl i need you this is so mean though like when we we can't even make it home from school we have like an eight minute drive home from school Uh and like i get we get home and they all pile out of the car and i literally like sit in the car for a few minutes and then come out they're like mom are you getting out i'm like yes yeah i'm just mentally preparing myself for what's about to happen like we've been in the car for eight minutes and i'm already done so like give me a second like i gotta regroup (laughs) like it's every day and they come out there mom can i have a snack i'm like just a minute (laughs) like let me sit in the car even though I've been without you all day, this eight minutes has worn me out yes. enough that I need a break. Yes, exactly. It's like you need yeah. a V8 or something to get, get yourself <laughs> the momentum to go back inside. I need a Snickers bar so I'm not hangry at them. You need a snack too. I hear you. That's how this felt. Like like little temp- temper tantrums, like standing on the front porch. Yeah. He's like, good God, people. Like, can I not just have a minute? <laughs> One day without a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> But John laces into Beth later, and I feel that this was necessary. I do, too. And I just, I needed it to happen. And I was excited that he broke something, because he's also been, like, this emotional sort of cocoon. And all this bad stuff is happening, and he really hasn't had this explosion, which I feel that a normal person would have had some sort of break yeah. You know what I mean? Like they would have had some sort of moment where they would have like screamed or like, you know, screamed into a pit. Like what Beth did at the end of the last yeah. episode. Like John <laughs> needs to do that. And I feel like this was his moment. You know, he breaks the coffee mug in the glass and, you know, chiding Beth for her performance. I mean, I think her behavior warranted that. Like, oh, hell yeah. Just being ridiculous. I'm glad he was like, you embarrass me. And you need to like act like a man. That's what I told her. Well, he, yeah, actually, I thought that was a very interesting choice of words. He's like, you're the only child I have that's man enough to hear this, which leads me to think that he just does like, well, that's why I said like my JB comment comes from before that like nobody seems to think very highly of like basically who's left. And yeah. Casey's, you know, crossed him one too many times. So I don't know. I guess it feels sad that Beth is the, the reliable one for him. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, that's where my statement came from before with him in the river doing this contemplative yeah. moment. It's like he's looking at the kids on the bench and he's like, uh, we're not going to win the championship. <laughs> and we already saw from like just the half an episode that Lee was in that there were some issues with Lee that he didn't think that Lee was a very outspoken kind of a person that he didn't engage at the, was it the mm-hmm. rodeo? 
that they were at that he expected Lee to be there and, and doing some conversating with like making them. decisions. Yeah, and, and just not very, I guess, aggressive in his ranch style. Right, or st- or strategic, or yeah, yeah. I feel that we've gotten a, l- a little bit better of a diagnosis on Beth's issues. Yeah, how people kind of need to deal with her. They need to call her out on her bullshit. Yeah, the only th- the only thing left I got is Dan and Rainwater. This was an interesting <laughs> conversation as well. I know these two, they're interesting because I like that they're both trying to stand up to John Dutton, but don't really have either. Neither one of them really have the resources. Maybe they're not a formidable opponent. Yeah, like they can't get their acts together enough to come together where they need to, to mount a defense against him. Their own egos or their own self-interests, I think, are just tripping them up. And we really got to see this on display, the self-interest and this ego. Yeah, I mean, I get this like sort of inflated ego feeling about Dan Jenkins. Like he thinks that he's got it like in the back. Like he's, oh, I got, I'm going to take this guy down. But he immediately has to like call in some like closer. (laughs) He's got to call in his Beth Dutton. Right. With the Armageddon rate. (laughs) And even she's like, kind of like, you don't got this. You're not going to be able to do this without me. And I love to how she's like, we need a face of this fight and you're not. <laughs> like she doesn't even see him as like that scary either. She's like, no, not you. Something else. So can we just backtrack for a second? Because he says something at the very beginning of the meeting with Melody that I was just like laughing my 2020 butt off at. So he says his, his vision for this is, you know, that work is now a remote thing and people can live anywhere they want. They just open up their laptop. Dude, did you look into a crystal ball there, Taylor Sheridan, when you were writing this and be like, because <laughs> 2020 is definitely the year of the laptop. <laughs> Yes. You know, I had that thought the other day because I applied for a job like early this year. It was like January or something. It wasn't working out in terms of like the hours she needed versus the hours I could provide. And I was like, well, is there any way I could like work from home? And she's like, no, I just really don't see how that's possible. Like we just really all need to be in the office together. And I drove by that place a couple days ago. Mm hmm. And I like had this thought, like, oh, I bet they are all working on remotely I'm now, girl. Sure. Like, <laughs> Listen, the corporation I, like, I work for, it had no telecommuting policy prior to March twelfth of this year. Right. I was like, None. I bet I could have gotten that job now. And but... I've been home since March twelfth. <laughs> March twelfth. I can't even imagine. I mean, when I think about that, I'm like, oh my gosh. And just for the record, it's November seventh. Just, just so people yes. can do the math right now when you're listening oh, to this. But um, yeah, so getting back to what you said about like you're not the face of this fight, and then rainwater just pops in. How about my face? <laughs> He's like, what about me? I represent diversity. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't know. I just feel like you have to think about that, too. And sort of these political and or agendas, like it has to sort of look a certain way, too. So that made me laugh. Like, he's like, well, what about me? Like, I could be a good face. Like, I. So they go through this whole conversation about like their business dealings and how they can like one up each other kind of thing. I just basically felt like I was watching Shark Tank and I feel like Kevin O'Leary was there and be like, you know, I just want to deal in perpetuity just to be on safe side. Like that's always his thing. Like just so that I can continue to make money off of this. Like forever. Forever. Yeah. So like there's this whole discussion about like leasing and on casino land versus subdivisions and things like that. And I was just like, I just want to deal in perpetuity. That's all. Yeah. We're talking about a casino that is a cash cow. And just mow on the side, just chew it on a cheese plate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, mm, whatever. But Dan is smart. He knows who Rainwater is. 
I like that he knows he's the enemy of my enemy. Like, I feel so like I that would have been, this. I feel like that would have been a more appropriate, like, title for this episode. Dan also realizes that Rainwater is out to destroy John and that this could work well for both of them. So this is like the most shrewd I think that we've seen Dan. He's been very emotional to this point. I feel like this was an emotional reaction as well, though. Oh, he was just seeing dollar signs. Melody's like, hello, think about this. And he's like, nope, I'm in. And like shakes his hand. I'm like, dude. Like, so when I say shrewd, the, the most shrewd we've seen him is that he knows that Rainwater is John's enemy yeah. and knows who he is. So I give him props for knowing at least that much. Yeah, he sees his window. But he's also like hook, line and sinker. They shake on and she's just like, no, <laughs> I've like, just witnessed a doing? deal with the devil, you know? Yes. <laughs> There's just a lot of potential there for them to wreak some havoc. Yeah, I mean, Melody has a plan, too. Like, she's thinking about going after John Dutton with environmental violations and all this other stuff. Like, she's got some ideas, too. I mean, maybe together they're going to make a pretty powerful team against John. It felt like they went very quickly from, let's take down John Dutton, to like, well, let's make money. Like, Right. It, it shifted rather quickly. Yeah. It didn't really flesh out the, like, how are we going to take this guy down? But I'm sure they'll get there. And I highly doubt that this is an agreement right now that's built solely on trust and, no. yeah. you know, everyone doing the right thing. I just feel like they're everyone's going to screw each other over somehow. <laughs> of course. It's just the Yellowstone way so far <laughs> that we've seen. And one last random question. There was a drone at one point on the reservation, who sent the drone? Is this important or is this just one of those little things like... Well, it's so random and weird. And then Casey and the... Was that the brother or the I think cousin? it's the brother or, or brother-in-law. I'm not sure. Chase down these guys with a shotgun. He like shoots the drone out of the air. Is it really about the dinosaur bones? Do you think? Maybe because they said that they look for treasure. But how would they know it was there? Like specifically by that one trailer out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. Maybe that's why the drone was circling around. But but the drone is no more. So I don't know if it's significant or not. But it was just uh, nice. it was just funny that Tate's like my dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> he runs over. Let me protect him. So we will be back here very shortly with the next episode, which is episode seven. So there's only nine episodes in the season. So yeah getting close to the end of season one so we got the cliffhanger of monica we got dan and rainwater cooking up something in the lab and all of the dutton children acting like children yeah so we got a journalist digging into things and we've got a new campaign advisor so there is a lot of things that could go wrong in the next two episodes be anxious to see if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you get your podcast from and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you get the next episode as it drops, we would very much appreciate it. And five stars are greatly appreciated. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon for Yellowstone from Pod Clubhouse. This is Sheila. And this is Steph. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.